Welcome again to today's Sunday School lesson. We have been looking at a series of lessons that is titled Successful Christian Living. And we have sought to know what uh, a successful Christian life looks like, uh, the, the godly way, Christ's way. So in the past two Sundays, we have been considering a progression, a progression that leads to this successful Christian living. From the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. This is, the this is the text that we will be looking at. This is the text that we have been looking at. So if, if you have your Bible, you will turn to John, chapter, uh, chapter 15, and uh, put a finger on it. We will come back to it. So the progression that we have been studying is this. Number one, that God desires for us to have life abundant life. All who have turned to Christ for salvation have life. The evidence that they have this life is that they bear fruit. So on the very first Sunday, we looked at fruit bearing, and we saw that bearing fruit is a sign of life. So in the analogy of the vine and the branches that is there in John 15, we see that Christ is the true vine, and Christians are the branches. And every branch that is in Christ, in the true vine, will bear fruit. So we saw that fruit bearing is a mark or a sign of life. We saw from verse 5 that it is the branches that abide in Christ that bear fruit. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. That was the very first lesson. On the second Sunday, we saw that the way to bear fruit is to abide in the true vine. So if, if any Christian is going to bear fruit, the way to do that is to abide in the true vine. So the way to bear fruit is to be in Jesus Christ continually, to have that communion. So the getting of salvation, when, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are united to Christ. That is union with Christ. When we abide uh, in Christ, that is communion. It is a daily thing. Today, we will see that the way to abide is to obey. And this we will see from verse 10. If we keep God's commandments, we will abide in him. We will abide in Christ's love if we keep his commandments. So the, and, and the evidence of this fact is demonstrated by the fact that Christ himself obeyed God, the Father, and in his abiding, uh, God's love or God's joy dwelt in him. We will also see, uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, that the way to this obedience is love. And this love comes by, by knowing. So the way to obey is to love. You know, when you love, you do not consider the cost of inconvenience or love. So those who are married or if anyone has loved at, at any point, whatever love, if it is uh, love to, for a spouse or for uh, a child or for a family member, 
you know that when you have loved, you do not, the costs or inconvenience of loving is, is not something you consider. When your mother is in hospital, you, you take care of her. You do not look at the bill and say, this is too much, I cannot bear it. Because uh, you love her, you, you treasure her, and whatever costs that comes your way, you bear. And it is the same case. When we love Christ, we obey Christ, whatever the costs, because we love. And we will see that uh, the way to love is to know. You know, the more you know Christ, the more you love Christ. In marriage, the more you know your spouse, the more you get to uh, love her better. You know how to love her better when you know her better. So the secret to loving is knowing. This we will see, uh, hopefully, next Sunday. So in the, in the series of looking at successful Christian living, the, the assumption is that we all desire to have a successful life. That we, who are Christians, all desire to live a life fully lived for Christ successfully. I, I don't know of any Christian who does not want that. And if there's any Christian who does not think of it or does not desire to live successfully for Christ, then that shows something is not right with them. But the success of Christ is not like the success of the world as we know it. There is success as the world knows it, and true success as it is described by God, the author and creator of everything. So if we are to be successful, if we really want to be successful, the best shot at being successful is aiming at the, the, the success of God, not the success of man. So remember that uh, this series was inspired by the fact that it is January, at the, uh, the beginning of the year, when people set resolutions and goals for the year. And the reason we do that is so that we have a successful year. So if you really want to have not just a successful year, but a successful life, aim at the success of God. You will not go wrong with that. So God's success, as he tells us in his word, is this, that we may have life, abundant life. We see that from John 10.10. 10. Christ, in John 15.11, says that the reason he has said these things to us is so that we may have his joy and that our joy may be full. So there, there is living and there, there is living with joy, full joy. It is Christ's desire for us to live joyfully in him and to have successful lives on earth as Christians. So let me remind you something about uh, John 15. John 15 is in the context of the upper room. This is a context where Jesus Christ is with his dearest companions the dearest companions he had on earth. They are together in the upper room and he is pouring out his heart to them as those who are dear uh, to him. 
So in, in the upper room, this is John chapter 13 to John 17. This is where Jesus told him, told the disciples, his dearest friends, how they will relate with God the Father. This is where he tells them how they will relate with him, that is Jesus Christ. This is where he tells them how they will relate with the Holy Spirit when he comes to them. This is where he tells them how they will relate with the world. So in, in this context, the upper room, Jesus gives his dearest friends, his disciples, uh, if I may call them this, the secrets of successful Christian living. So if you are at this instance, feeling like your Christian life feels like um, we used to say when you were in campus, chewing cardboard, it's tasteless, no joy, you ju you're just living. You know, consider going back to the upper room. Consider doing a thorough study of John chapters 13 to 17. You will find joy here. With a willingness and commitment to obey the Lord of Lords, visit these chapters with, with an inclination, with a heart um, that is willing to obey, and you will find medicine here, medicine for your soul, for every Christian. It could be that uh, it could be that you are the disobedient Christian, the the prodigal son. You have been convicted of your sins, and you long for the joy that you had at first when you believed. You want that joy, that sweetness, that burning in the heart that you had when you first believed, and you don't know where to get it. I, I suggest you start here. You will find that sweet sensation in these chapters. Take your Bible, lock yourself in your room, and take hold of the promises given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ here. And again, let your attitude be that of the hymn writer when he said, Master, speak, thy servant heareth. I am listening, Lord, for thee. What hast thou to say to me? If, if that is your attitude when you are reading these chapters, I believe, I am convinced that you will find help and you will find joy. So let us, let us now turn to John chapter 15 to read uh, verses 1 to 17 and uh, see what our Savior has for us. Can someone please read these verses for us? Anyone who's ready with a... Yes, Alex here. John 15, from verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, 
so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit apart from for apart from me you cannot you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love have no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. Thank you. We have uh, so far established that our main job as Christians on earth is to bear fruit. This, this comes evidently from the texts. And fruit-bearing is the evidence that we are in Christ. We have also established that the only way we will bear fruit is to abide. To abide in Christ. Christ's the true vine. So the question we ask ourselves today is this. How then do we abide in Christ? So this is the question we are going to answer today. How do we abide, abide in Christ? So I will, I will tell you how. The answer is there. The way to abide in Christ is to obey Christ. We, we see that in... We see that in verse 10. Look at John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. Obedience, obedience is a basic principle of the universe set by God himself. Uh, I think it is important that we, we start there. Obedience is not a principle for believers alone. It is a principle of the, of the universe. The person who obeys the laws of health 
will abide in good health. The person who is keen to observe what they eat and exercise and how they sleep, they obey the laws of health. They will abide in good health. It's, it's a law of the universe given to us by God. The farmer who obeys the laws of nature and the laws of farming we reap and enjoy the fruit of his labor. This is not a strange thing. The same way uh, the business person who obeys the laws of business is more likely to have a successful enterprise than the business, than the business person who does not. This is just simple uh, laws of life. Uh, let me just go on with the examples. The accountant who obeys the laws of accounting will close his day with balanced accounts. It's, it's that simple. The engineer who is keen to follow and obey the engineer, engineering principles will have a successful career. Those who do not obey these laws will not succeed. It is that simple. Uh, take, for example, your health. If you're careless with what you eat, how you exercise, how you sleep, you will not abide in good health. How will you? If you are a farmer and you, you plant when the, it's, it's on a, in, a, in a sunny season, how will the seeds grow and you don't water them? These are basic laws and principles of the universe that you obey for success. I think I've made my point. If you desire to have success in anything in this life, you simply have to obey the principles of whatever it is you want to be successful at. This is a God-given principle of the universe that applies to all, saints and sinners. God has in his wisdom written certain laws and principles in the world, and we cannot disobey them without suffering the consequences. Please uh, take note of this. It doesn't matter what you think about such laws. It doesn't matter how you feel about such laws. These laws will remain. At any point of time, these laws will remain. Consider the, the law of gravity. It remains. Whether you think of it or whether you like it or not, it remains. You know, consider the law of conservation of energy. How many of you know this law? You probably don't, but it remains. That's a fact. Consider again the law of farming. What, what, what seed do you plant if you want to, to, you know, to farm mangoes? Any idea? A mango, mango, mango seeds. If you want avocados, you, you, you plant avocado seedlings. This is the principle our Lord Jesus Christ teaches in Matthew chapter 12. He says, Matthew 12, 33, um, to that five. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, 
or make the tree bud and its fruit bud, for the tree is known by its fruit. Uh, he's speaking to, to the elders and the, the elders of the, of the Israelites. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the ab abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasures, bring forth good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. So he was telling them they cannot bring out of them anything good because they are not a good tree, you know. Out of, uh, sorry, out of, for the tree is known by its fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. This is the law. Now let us consider Christ's law of obedience. And this is the law. If you keep Christ's commandments, you will abide in Christ. And you will be Christ's friend. And this again we see in verse 10 and verse 14 of uh, John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So any thoughts so far before I, I continue? Thoughts or questions? Yes, Victor. Yeah, oh, I think thanks so much for what you have said. Uh, it's a simple truth that is are uh, exceedingly profound mm -hmm. that if we keep the law then the preservation and the abiding will take place mm -hmm. it is so firm and so uh, solemn that even in the old testament when the lord was known to exercise his wrath uh, punishing not only the jews and the israel but also other world powers like Babylon and Assyrians and other nations, mm -hmm. uh, gentle nations, that when he went, for example, Zephaniah chapter 2, when he went to judge the Philistines, mm -hmm. which was executed by, by, by Nebuchadnezzar, he tells these people to gather before the decree takes effect, to gather before the day of the wrath, to gather before there comes that day of the anger of the Lord. And they were told to the Philistines to seek the Lord. And then they were characterized. All who, all you who are humble in that land. And then number two, all of you who do his just commands or carry out his yeah. judgments. Mm. So for example, if there was a farmer there, he loved to do and act accordingly, mm. according to the law. Mm. If it is in terms of moral law, he would not exhort, he will not become fraudulent, he will not become uh, 
he'll not practice those bad practices. Mm. And so here they're commanded by the Lord now, seek him before that day. Mm. And then they're being told, seek righteousness and humility, perhaps you may be hidden on the day of anger. And it's so interesting that them practicing the law that was set before them on that day of the wrath when the Philistines came, I mean, when the Babylonians came and wiped out the land, mm. they were preserved. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Well, it, it sounds so easy, but uh, yet it is a difficult thing to obey. Now, there are times when, uh, actually, there are many times when obedience brings difficulty and pain. And we find ourselves that uh, we are more inclined to disobey because of the pain or the consequences that come with obedience. Sometimes, especially in the world that we live in, obedience to Christ and his commandments seem only to bring pain and persecution. When, when this happens, a good reminder that we have is that these trials are only temporary and the blessings that come out of it cannot be compared to the pains brought about by the trials. Whatever pain we, we get out of obeying God's law cannot be compared to the joy that we, we get or we will get as a reward for our faithfulness. Just like labor pains cannot be compared to the joy of holding your newborn in your arms. In 1 Peter chapter 4, this is what we read. 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We, we see here that the trials will come the pains will come. Do not think them strange. This, this is normal. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Verse 14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So obedience to Christ's commandments will bring suffering, will bring pain and persecution. But when it does, count it all joy. Now, back to obedience. I do not doubt that most of us, if not all of us, already know these truths. That the way to remain in Christ is to obey Christ. Uh, this has been taught over and over. I do not doubt that we know that. I also know that even from my own life, my own experiences, I know that obedience doesn't come that easy. You, it is not an automatic switch. You don't just obey. Obedience uh, is work. A faithful preacher by the name of Warren, uh, Warren Wiersbe, whose, book, whose books I love to read, in fact, it is... The, the, this progression that I am teaching 
I have derived from his book, his um, commentary on this portion of scripture. This is what he says. He says that everything in the universe obeys God except man. And man has the most to gain by obeying and most to lose by disobeying. There is no part of God's natural creation that would ever think of questioning God or his will, let alone disobeying him. So the only person who thinks of disobeying God, who questions God, is man. All of creation, the, the mountains and rivers, the planets, the stars, the viruses and bacteria, they do the bidding of Christ. Only man disobeys Christ. Why is this the case? Well, I will, I will answer that for you. It is man, by God's design, who has a will of his own. Man can make decisions. God has given that capability to decide for ourselves. We can choose to obey or disobey. Now, that is the thing that makes obedience difficult for us. The difficult thing about obedience is that it involves uh, our will. We do not abide simply by having thoughts about God's will, or even having emotions about God's will. We abide by doing God's will. Now, I will repeat that because I am, I am going to make a very bold uh, claim after this. We do not abide simply by having thoughts about God's will or even having emotions about God's will. We abide by doing God's will. Of course, our emotions and our minds are key items or very useful in obedience. They are involved. They have to be involved. But they are not obedience. And this is what I mean. There is no amount of thinking that will ever equal doing. And there is no amount of emotional conviction that will ever equal doing. Um, if I am, say I am uh, Dennis's boss and I am incapacitated in, in some way, I cannot carry this podium from here to the back. And I ask Dennis, or rather, because uh, I am his boss, command him, uh, Dennis, uh, take this podium and take it to the back of the hall. Uh, Dennis looks at the matter, considers the matter uh, intellectually. He looks at me, my boss is incapacitated. He is not able to carry that podium. That is a fact. I have the strength, I have the muscles, I have the time, I can do it. He thinks about this matter and thinks and thinks and thinks, but does not carry the podium. Is that any helpful? No, it's not. If he feels for me, ah, my boss is incapacitated, 
and deeply feels sorry for me. But then at the end of the day, does not carry the podium to the back of the pod. To me, he's just good for nothing. And that is, that is the, the, the simple truth. So there is no amount of thinking and there is no amount of emotional conviction that will ever equal doing. There is no amount of thinking or emotional conviction that will ever, ever equal obedience. Understanding the task at hand is very necessary. Using your intellectual capabilities to understand the task at hand, in this case, for Dennis to use his mind to understand that I, I cannot carry the podium, he's able to, it is very um, necessary. And the sympathy and deep conviction is very instrumental. These two will help Dennis to do the task swiftly with much joy and understanding. The mind and the heart are key. They will help to obey, but no amount of sympathy, no amount of understanding and intellectual understanding will ever equal the task. So what am I saying? This is, in the same way, this is where most of us get lost. The majority of us get lost here. There is no amount of theological understanding that will ever equal obedience. You can study scriptures all you want. You can know all the doctrines all you want. You can understand um, the doctrines of Calvin all you want. But if you don't obey, it's useless. You're good for nothing. And I say this very boldly because in one way or another, a majority of us fall here. Because you think you know theology, because you think you know scriptures, because you think you know God's will, you consider yourself a Christian. It is the obeying heart that is right with God. It is those who obey God's commandments that are God's friends. It is those who do God's will that abide. Well, there's the other extreme. There are those who look for an emotional experience, a joy that is derived from feeling spiritual. That too can never equal obedience. Obedience is obedience. The commandment we have here or the instruction we have here is obedience. Those who do the commandments of Christ are the ones who will abide. I think I have uh, said a lot there and I would want to hear your thoughts about that. Yes, Victor. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, uh, indeed, even I cannot take away anything that you have mentioned because you have mentioned uh, what is key and critical and I think our weakness as TBC or Reformed people. So I really pray that the Lord will help us not to linger in emotions and 
being intellectual and not acting and being practical. So on the other side, I really wanted also to comment. Uh, let me use your example. Mm -hmm. uh, still, if Dennis, who is your employee and is well able, and you tell him to move the chair, the pulpit from that point to another, and he does it, mm. it is obedience, but yeah. can also be disobedience, if I may include the emotions and the thoughts in this sense. If he does it in a rude way, yeah. if he does it uh, not rejoicing, mm -hmm. in a irritable way, mm. resentful way, it is disobedience. So it's very key to conclude even from First Corinthians 13, mm -hmm. that if indeed if if I speak in tongues but I have no love, I am a noisy gong, such yeah. a negative view. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, and you know I have even faith to move mountains and people are saying I'm doing that, but I have no love, I am nothing. My disobedience is just gained nothing. Yeah. And so the conclusion of the matter is also that as Christians, doing, mm -hmm. feeling, mm -hmm. and thinking mm. are paramount. Mm. You can't take one away from the other. Yeah. They must have their right place. If I do something with the wrong feeling, it's nothing. Mm. If I do something to, if I obey God in terms of doing mm. with the wrong attitude, mm. still it is disobedient. So to uphold uh, these three things that must remain, mm. doing, which is the action, mm. feelings, emotions, attitude, affections, and also thinking, consideration, what is in the mind that paramount. So I pray that we will strike that balance so that you don't fall in what you have said mm. and also you don't fall on the other side also. Yeah. So the, I agree with you. The three go together. Yeah. And uh, we are going to consider that next. That's the next thought that we are going to consider. Any other comments? Yes. Uh, my thoughts on that subject, I think I can be corrected if I have a wrong view of it. Mm -hmm. When when we consider man um, and we understand that he is tainted by sin in all his faculties, mm -hmm. so, and if you put the the three things that we have set forward, you, you see that even his intellectual aspect mm -hmm. is tainted by sin and his emotional aspect is tainted by sin. Mm. And I think I would commend he who first does the duty mm. and then the emotional and intellectual part mm -hmm. comes later because um, the sense in which emotion might, at the end of the day is, yes, there's an aspect in which how did you do the work? Mm. But I think there's also, first of all, was the work done? Mm. Now then we get to, how did you do it? Mm. So, and there's a sense in which the two part, particularly emotions and intellectual, particularly the emotional part, mm. will always seek to self-preserve itself. I, mm. 
I can do something else than move the the podium mm -hmm. or I don't want to. So, and I think the bigger part or the bigger fight we fight is that of convincing our emotions and our intellect mm -hmm. to do the work, to fall into duty mm -hmm. other than to start up the duty. Yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, I... <clears throat> I get what you're, what you're saying, and in, in a way it is true, because we do not obey Christ, we do not obey the commandments of God, because we feel like it. We obey God because um, it is the right thing to do, whether we feel like it or not. So we cannot always wait for the feeling to obey. And uh, if you see it like that, I agree with you. There are times when you have to do things to obey because it is the right thing to do. You don't feel like it. You don't, at that time, derive joy out of it. But it is your duty to do it. Uh, but then again, uh, uh, let me not say but then again, but because that negates what I have said. Uh, it is also true that uh, it is possible to to strike a balance, and this is now where I I want us to go next. It is the attitude in obedience or the inclination. So there are several types of obedience. There is obedience fueled by fear or consequences. Uh, you obey. Um, traffic laws because you fear the consequences. If you drive on the uh, right side of the road, you will hit the next car or um, you may not make, make it out of that. And even if you do make it out of that, uh, the government will come for you. And because of those consequences, because you want to preserve your life, you obey these rules. There are people who obey God like that. There are people who obey God because they fear the consequences. Uh, there are people who evangelize using hell. You know, they just sell hell. And out of that fear, someone wants to trust in uh, Jesus Christ. But you see their obedience will be fueled by fear. There is another obedience that is fueled by reward. Um... You know that you have these tasks set before you by your employer. You do them, at the end of the month, there will be a certain amount of money in your bank account. You will do those tasks, not necessarily because you love them, but because your eye is on the reward. Your eye is, is what's at the end of the line. It still is obedience, but it is obedience fueled by reward. So I wouldn't say that the obedience that God desires for us to have is this type of obedience. There is another obedience, obedience that we see in Ephesians 6, 6, when servants are commanded to serve their masters, uh, doing the will of God from the heart. There is obedience that uh, I can call is from the heart. 
And this is the kind of obedience that comes from conforming our will to God's will. It is a free and delightful obedience. This kind of obedience, at the end, it will keep you from the consequences of disobedience because it is obedience. At the end of it, it will get you the reward because God has promised a reward for all who will obey. But these two are nowhere. This, these two things are not the things that fuel such obedience. Such obedience is fueled by the desire to do God's will. This type of obedience uh, Christ calls us to. He sets, um, sorry, this is the type of obedience Christ calls us to. And as an example, he points us to himself. See what he says in verse 10. He did obey God, the Father, and he got joy out of it. And he says, obey because I obeyed. Do you see that, that fact there in verse 10? Do it as I have done it. In John 4, 34, uh, this is what we read. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was fueled by doing God's will. And this is clear. We see the same thing in John 5.30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In John 6.38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Because Christ loved the Father so much, he wanted to do his, his work. His main job on earth was to do his will. And this is the kind of obedience that Christ is calling us to. And it starts by first aligning our will to his will. When we seek his will, when we um, align our will with his, we will seek to do his will, come what may. And that will be our fuel. Is that helpful? That, that is the fuel. And this means we will do things when we don't feel like doing them. Did Christ feel like going to the cross? I don't think so. If he did, he would not have pleaded with God three times to take the cup of suffering away from him. He did it because it was God's will. Your comments, your thoughts? Yes? So, uh, just to track back a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to say about the point of emotion and uh, thoughts and uh, obedience. Uh, I thank you for what you have said. And actually, Victor answered 
part of what was my question mm-hmm. because we have to place them in the right balance. Uh, the reason I was thinking that is because of uh, if you look at the book like Psalms 119, there are a lot of uh, affection involved mm-hmm. and there's a lot of thinking which is called meditation involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is now the obedience with regards to uh, doing what the will of God is. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a sense, my, I don't know if you have answered it clearly, but mm-hmm. my question was, could, could, obe- could meditation or thinking about it uh, be part of obedience because they are in a sense God has commanded to think about his word so there, there's that thing yes because he has commanded us to do so yeah and in that case such meditation is the will of God so it's That's... not it's not even meditation is an is an action meditation itself is an act of obedience okay yeah all right. Um, and now to the now your point uh, about uh, loving. Uh, so the, in the book of First John that we looked together with Pastor Dominic, mm-hmm. there is in a sense in which uh, the love of God, the love we have for God, um, and the love that we already know that God has first loved us mm. plays a part in how we obey. Mm. It's, a, it's kind of a catalyst to mm. us being obedient mm. to his will. Mm. Uh, no matter how uh, we don't feel like it mm. or we feel like it, uh, there's in a sense in which the that reality mm-hmm. helps us to really obey. Yeah. And uh, I think before I give out the microphone, there's a question mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. Um, salvation starts by grace, mm-hmm. considering the law of obedience. What you reap, what you reap is what you sow. Does this mean sanctification continues with our works that is obedience and where does grace fall in us bearing fruits uh, i don't think i have understood the question uh, so mm-hmm. salvation starts by grace mm-hmm. considering the law of obedience mm-hmm. considering the law of obedience yeah. what you reap is what you sow yeah does this mean sanctification continues with our works into brackets obedience yeah that's the first question Mm. and where does grace fall in us bearing fruits the second question okay yes um so the the obedience is used by god to sanctify us. Sanctification, the sanctification process is God working in us. We do not sanctify ourselves. 
And uh, obedience is, uh, I would say, an agent of the process. It is not that because we have obeyed, because we have worked, now we earn it. It is, it is more of a result. Does it make sense like that? And it is um, by God's grace that we are able to obey. Um, again, uh, the third time, I will point you back to the sermons of Pastor Eric. He covers this question very well uh, to show that to show us that the fruit we get is not from ourselves. We get the uh, we bear fruit because we are attached to the true vine. It comes from Christ. But the fruit bearing is only evidence. It is not something we work out. It is only fruit. It is evidence that we are in uh, the true vine. I, I hope I have answered that question sufficiently. Laura, you had something. Thanks. I think um, Matthew has a good explanation about the parable of the two sons, about yeah. in Matthew 20, Matthew 21, mm -hmm. he said, uh, wait, wait, what verse am I? Okay, Matthew 21, 28. Mm -hmm. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, I work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Mm. Then they said to him, the first. So I think that gives a clarification, especially from Christ himself using this parable yeah. about obedience. Yeah, thank you. And this... This is important because um, it was addressed to the chief priests and the elders. These are people who, this parable was addressed to the holy people, the scriptural people, the people who uh, were respected, the people who are expected to teach others godliness. And what Christ tells them is that the prostitutes and the tax collectors uh, will enter heaven before you. And that is serious. Um, we are the people who know truth. We are the, the holy ones of God. Uh, sinners, it is a possibility for sinners to come from uh, the world, see Christ and believe and obey when we are busy handling uh, theology intellectually and miss heaven. It is a possibility and it is something to deeply consider. Can see, I see our, our time is up, but let me again point us to our Lord Jesus Christ and how he obeyed. We, we see in Philippians 2.8, he obeyed in spite of suffering, shame and sacrifice. He humbled himself. How did he humble himself? By becoming obedient. 
This is how Christ humbled himself, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And this is how we are expected to, to obey. I hope it is, it is clear to us that obedience to Christ is the very key to God's blessings. Obedience to Christ is the very key to abiding in him and the key to, bear, to bearing fruit and ultimately the key to life and abundant life. Yes. Yeah, I, I just wanted to comment on what you said earlier on about knowing and doing. Mm. In um, Luke chapter 10, we are given the, the example of the lawyer who seemed to know the law. Mm. This lawyer comes to Christ and says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then the Lord directs him to what is written, asking what is written in the law, and then he actually is able to to quote the the great commandment and mm. and, and, and the other commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Mm with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, mm. and your neighbors yourself. So here is a lawyer who knew mm. God's law. Mm. And Jesus tells him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Mm. But he is not satisfied. Mm. He wants to justify himself, and so he asks, who is my neighbor? And, and then Jesus gives him the case of the the good Samaritan. Mm. And uh, in verse 37, when Jesus asked him who was the neighbor to the, 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 the who was the, the, the neighbor, mm. he answers, he who showed mercy on him. Mm. Still, Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. So there is the emphasis. This guy knew the law. He also understood what was expected of him, mm. but the doing was the real challenge. And then the other, the other example mm. also on obedience, the attitude. Quite often when we are, we are looking at the the parable of the prodigal son, we tend to focus on this son, the way one son. Mm. But this brother who was very obedient was not willing to identify himself with, to celebrate the return of his brother. Mm. He is complaining that he had obeyed his father mm. all through. And uh, because he, 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 he says, this is uh, Luke 15, verse 29. He answered and said to his father, Lord, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Mm. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. So he is looking at his obedience. He, can, he is saying he has perfectly obeyed his mm. father. Mm. at any time, but he, he doesn't seem to relate well with his father. Mm. He, he sees his father as a, 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 
a, a, a person who is who, who was expecting a lot from his son, but he was not willing to give anything. Mm. And, and that should not be our attitude when we are obeying God. Mm. And so it's, it's important to know what is expected of us, but it's even more important to do what, is, what the Lord expects from us. And also our attitude in doing the issue that was raised about um, about fruits. The fruit is the evidence that we belong to Christ. We identify with him mm. because the world cannot, Christ is not invisible to, to the world, but the world can only see him through ourselves, through the way we relate with one another yeah. as a church. Because you remember even in the early church, the, the, the world was amazed at the way the brethren, the church, there was love yeah. among the brethren. And so the only way we can show we belong to Christ is by, 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 the, most, by the way we live. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, lastly, the last comment, and then we finish. Allow me to take us back to the question online mm. and make at least three comments. Okay. So one, I would call our attention to Thessalonians when Paul says mm. the will of God for us is our sanctification. Mm. So that oh, the, the heart of God for a Christian mm. is not just to save and take to heaven, it's to save and more and more make uh, to look like Christ. Mm. Uh, secondly, mm where you just read Philippians 2, I would call our attention to, again, verse 12, mm. where Paul encourages them to continue obeying even in his absence. And he says, um, giving all diligence that mm. you may work out your salvation mm. with fear and trembling, uh, for it is the Lord who works in you both to will and to do. Yeah. So that there, we are to work as though it depends on us, the whole time knowing that it is God who enables us mm. because already we know his will is that we may be sanctified. Mm. And uh, uh, to quote a guy I do not remember, he, he says, our working proves that God is working. Mm. And we know God is working mm. because we are working. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's very helpful. <laughs> okay, just briefly. I felt this one was quickly passed uh, about the problem which is natural to us. Mm -hmm. What do you do when when you are called to the task and you don't feel it at all? So mm -hmm. we, the, the casual answer was you just do it so you don't have the feeling. Mm -hmm. But the scriptural answer is very clear. The command is love the Lord with all of your heart, mm -hmm. with all of your understanding. Mm -hmm. That's clear. So mm -hmm. the command is clear, but I don't have that heart, I don't have that understanding. Mm. So Christ gave us the answer in his human form, which you have said, he prayed. Mm. I don't feel like doing this, Lord, yeah, yet prayed. this is your will. Yeah. He prayed. Mm. And what happened next? The angel was sent to strengthen him. Mm. And therefore he looked death to its face. He put it to shame. 
he looked to heaven he had that right attitude and he, he did it all and so that is what is given out to us as the answer what yeah. do we do mm. pray and god comes he works the will and the desire natunenyorosha mm. that is the way okay i agree with you it was necessary that that be said yeah um it it proves that we are not able to do it ourselves we do not desire to do it but we pray and uh, we have a promise there when we pray for god's will uh, we ask for anything and we will receive uh, god will surely surely give us the desire to do his will so i want us to sing this hymn as we close trust and obey because i think it is a simple hymn i love this hymn it just gives us the simple truth the only way the only way to be happy in christ is to trust and obey so let's uh, sing this hymn as we close When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who Trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise. Not a cloud in the skies, but His smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a bargain we not a sorrow we share, but a
Gracious God, we come before you this time with one request. Kill our stubborn hearts and help us to obey you. For this is the key to abiding in you, which is the key to bearing fruit, which is ultimately the key to life. Help us to obey you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.